All right, all right, all right. Man, it's good to be here on this beautiful Sunday morning. Man, the Sunday right after the Resurrection Sunday that we celebrated last week. So let's talk about that for a little bit. Man, last Sunday was a party. Would y'all agree? Last Sunday was a celebration because last Sunday we joined together to celebrate the most important event in human history. Last Sunday we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can I get a hand clap? Come on now. Man, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We celebrated the conquering of the grave. We celebrated the redemption of creation. See, that was last Sunday. But I want to challenge y'all and I want to remind y'all and let y'all know that what happens this Sunday is no less amazing than what we celebrated last Sunday. Man, the same gospel message is worth proclaiming not just one Sunday out of the year, but every single day out of the year, all right? And anyone can say Christ is risen on Easter Sunday, but when we as Christ followers live like Christ is risen every single day out of the year, that's what will get this world's attention. That is what will show this world that the resurrection is real. And I believe that as a church, we believe that. But man, to be honest, it's easier said than done. Sometimes it's easier to talk that out than it is to walk that out. See, the preacher can get up here and, and we can hoop and holler and we can say things and people in the audience, man, you can give God a hootie hoo. But when we leave here, we can leave here encouraged, but we leave here understanding that life is about to hit us like a ton of bricks and it's going to hit us right in the face. Man, it's inevitable that that will happen. And when we get those reality checks, we're left asking the question, now what? And see, when that happens, man, it doesn't just pick and choose. It doesn't discriminate. It comes at you from the front, the back, the side, the side. Here's the thing. This is what I want us to understand today. Man, when we find ourselves in those situations and we find ourselves asking ourselves, now what? Then we better be ready to take the next steps. See, some of y'all can relate, man. Maybe you've given your life to a job. Man, maybe you are the most dedicated employee out there. Man, maybe your two greatest flaws are that you work too hard and that you care too much, but you've still been asked to come into the office and been handed you a pink check. I mean, a, not a pink check, but a pink slip. And you're left asking yourself, okay, now what? Man, maybe like me, you found yourself at Chick-fil-A and you got into the bag and you found out that they were making an announcement that Chick-fil-A is discontinuing the chicken bagel breakfast sandwich. And you got to ask yourself, okay, now what? Like that was my go-to. That's a serious thing. All right, maybe you spend so much time going through school, studying, working hard, and you are about to walk across that stage and you are about to hold that diploma in your hand and somebody is going to pat you on the back and say, good job, and somebody else is going to point the finger at you and say, you need to get a good job, all right? We paid a lot of money for this. And now you got to ask yourself, okay, now what? Man, maybe you're first-time parents and you get that first-time, you know, diaper explosion experience, you know, and you look at each other and you say, one, two, three, not it. And then you look at each other and say, okay, now what? Man, maybe you haven't been active and you decide to go to the gym for the first time in a long time and you do leg day and leg day eats you up and it becomes the gift of soreness that keeps on giving. You need to ask yourself, now what? Jesse Polly, you going to quit? All right. And so here's the thing. 
man, maybe you get that phone call that nobody wants to get and you answer it and somebody on the other end of that phone line is saying, hey, you have a lost loved one that has just passed away. And that's tragic news. You got to ask yourself, now what? Man, maybe like this church, we've been on a genesis. I mean, we've been on a, we've been on a journey from the book of Genesis all the way to the Resurrection Sunday. But now we got to ask ourselves, now what? And see, this morning we're jumping into a series that we're calling, I bet y'all can't guess it, now what, all right? Man, we're, we're jumping into this new series because we felt like we had done a great deal of work journeying from Genesis all the way to the resurrection to get us to Easter. And so now why not look at the stories right after the passion story to see what we could learn from Jesus' ongoing ministry. So over the next four weeks, we are going to be walking through the book of Luke chapter 24. And we're going to be trying to dive in and, and try to maybe come away with the answer to that question, now what? And so our hope is, man, as we study Luke chapter 24, man, you will come away with the understanding that in Christ, we have the answer to now what? Because in Christ, we understand that we have his presence. Man, we understand that we have his confidence. We understand that we have a mission and we understand that we have a hope. And so this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24. We're going to start with verse 13, and we're going to try to go all the way to uh, verse 35. And basically, man, as we get into this text, we got to understand that that now what feeling that can hit you in the face is exactly what these two disciples must have felt on the road to Emmaus. So as you turn, tap, or scroll your way there, man, I would like for you to find your way there, but also find your way in prayer, praying three things. Let's pray that God would speak to us today. Secondly, let's pray that we would hear what he has to say. And third, let's pray that that truth would change our hearts. Y'all pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, man, thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to be here this Sunday. God, let us understand that, man, what we talk about today is just as worthy as what we celebrated last Sunday. Let us understand that, man, we are called as Christ followers to represent your story well every single day of the year. Help us to do that. God, we ask that today that you would speak to us loud and clear. And God, we pray that not only would you speak to us, but we would hear from your spirit today. God, a message that would penetrate our heart and would change our walk. God, we pray that we would be changed today. God, we pray these three things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Man, if you're with me today and you want to write something down right out of the gate, the first thing that you can write down is this right here. His presence is available to everyone. See, man, we understand that in Christ we have his presence, and I want us to understand that his presence is available to everyone. Starting in verse 13, y'all read with me. It says this, and we'll put the text up on the wall, but it says this. That very day, two of them were going to the village named Emmaus, and about seven miles from Jerusalem. In verse 14, it says, they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near to them and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing them. 
men, in verse 13, we got to understand that very day, two of these disciples were leaving Jerusalem and walking to the road uh, that would take them to Emmaus. And so basically, we got to understand that when we talk about these two disciples, we aren't talking about the more known apostles. We're not talking about the 11 that were remaining. We're talking about two that were simple-minded and half-anonymous followers of Jesus. And they were probably on their way to Emmaus because they were walking and they were leaving the Passover celebration that that just took place in Jerusalem. And so not only did it give them about seven miles is what the text says to walk, but it gave them a chance to not just walk with one another, but talk with one another. And we understand what they were talking about. And here's what I think is so neat, because one of the characteristics that is spoke to about the Lord is in his glory, the resurrection, man, he gave his life with such fullness of disclosure to these unknown and undistinguished men. Church family, if you've ever been like on the B team, then I'm talking to you. Man, if you've ever been on the B team, the C team, or you couldn't even get on the team, I'm talking to you today. Man, if you weren't in the crowd, you couldn't even find out where the crowd was to get into the crowd. Man, I'm talking to you today. Because one thing that I think is neat is Christ reveals himself not just to everyone, but he reveals himself to the lowly hearted. Man, he's not just out there to make friends with the popular crowd. He's not just in it for the ones that are wealthy. Man, he's in it for every single one of us. And so here's what I want us to know, and here's what I want us to understand is this right here. Christ still reveals himself to the lowly hearted even today. Man, our Savior is the Savior for the common man. Man, he's the Lord that does not reject the humble-hearted. And so as they were walking with one another, man, they were talking about the things that were heavy on their hearts. Man, the text talks about that these guys were sad. Man, they were talking about the things that had just happened over the weekend. They were talking about the arrest and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And then we understand in verse 15 and verse 16 that Jesus draws himself, like Jesus himself drew near and walked with them. Man, how amazing is that? I don't know if you've ever been talking to a friend about something. You know, whatever it is, maybe a product or maybe you searched about it online and only to find out later on in the afternoon when you get on your social platforms Every single ad is about what you just talked about. Guys, this is what's happening right here, but not in a big brother creepy kind of way, all right? Jesus is listening to what they're saying, but he knows exactly what is on their heart. Man, they're talking about Jesus, and all of a sudden they're walking with Jesus. The theologian Spurgeon says, talk of him and you will soon talk with him. Man, what a beautiful picture uh, that the person that they're talking about joins with them. And so the second thing that I want to let you know today is this right here. His presence makes known our hearts. His presence makes known our hearts. And what I'm talking about right there is, man, the presence of Christ brings to the surface 
the true nature of our hearts. Listen to verse 17. He says this. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? They stood still, looking very sad. Verse 18. Then one of them named Cleopas answered, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, in a word before God and all of the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our company amazed us, and they were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they went back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Man, I want us to understand that Christ's presence makes known the real status of our hearts. See, when we get into verse 17, we understand that Jesus comes up and he jumps into the conversation by asking these guys, hey guys, what are y'all talking about? Now, don't you know that Jesus Christ knows everything, right? He knew exactly what they were talking about. But sometimes, you know, just your actions speak louder than your words. Man, it was probably evident in their countenance, maybe even in the manner at which they were walking. These two disciples were sad. Man, they knew both, uh, you know, that they were, hard, they, were, they were brokenhearted, but Jesus comes right to them. And not only does he know two things, he knows that they're sad, but he also knows that they don't need to be sad. I see what I'm saying? Like he knows that they're sad because he knows all things, but he knows what they didn't know yet, that they had no reason to be sad because he's risen. And so he asks them, man, what are you talking about? And Cleopas, man, he opens up his mouth and he doesn't like give like, okay, see what happened was we were here and then this has happened. In fact, man, he hit Jesus with a, man, where have you been all weekend? Like, like, are you just now coming out from under a rock? Like, did you accidentally hit the no sell your button on your cell phone? Like, man, did you hit the do not disturb? Like, you hadn't got none of these notifications? Like, where have you been? And the irony of what he's asking and who he's asking it to. Man, I like to think that Jesus probably just smiled when he asked him this. Because I think it's pretty safe to say that Jesus knew pretty well exactly what had happened over that weekend, right? But he just replies in verse 19, what things? Man, Jesus is slick. Man, Jesus is so skillful with how he plays along with the conversation. And he encourages these men to reveal their hearts. Again, Jesus knows everything. He knows what was in their hearts. He knows exactly what they were thinking before they said it. But there was value in them saying it to Jesus. Church family, the same way. Don't fall into that trap that you don't have to pray. Man, we understand that our Heavenly Father knows exactly, man, He knows everything. He knows exactly what we're going through. And we pray in the name of the Son. 
And we have the Holy Spirit who prays on our behalf and says the things that we don't even know what we need to say. And he hears those things. But he still calls for us to communicate with him. There's value when we say it to him. And so in this interaction, man, they're talking about it and they answer. Man, we're talking about the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. But their answer says a lot about their heart. See, his, his presence reveals the true nature of our heart. And so they give this answer, and their answer tells them that they know his name. They know where he is from. Man, they knew that he was a prophet. They knew that he was mighty in deed and in word. They knew that he was crucified. Man, they knew that he had promised to redeem Israel, and they knew all of what the others had said, that he had rose from the dead. But look at verse 21. Man, I think it speaks volumes. It says, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. See, they had hope. It's past tense. Man, they had a hope that was disappointed, but maybe a better word for it is they had a hope that was misguided. Because in their mind, you know, redeeming Israel looked a whole lot different but we know the whole story, and we understand how even this story plays out. And Jesus would continue to show them that their true hope was fulfilled in him and his resurrection. And some of us need to hear that today. See, our circumstances are not where we want them to be. But we got to understand that our ultimate circumstance is not defined or, or, or played out by all these little things. But instead, we got to understand what Jesus Christ has done, big picture. And so in verse 22, man, we kind of understand that the only thing that these disciples had to go on was their testimony of others, all right? Man, they say the women went and they came back and, and, and they had this crazy story that the tomb was empty and they saw this vision of these angels who said that he is risen. And then in the room that they were in, Peter and John, they left and they went and had to go see for themselves and they came back talking about, man, what they said is true. We even saw the grave clothes. But, but notice how they said, but he they did not see. And see, because they hadn't seen Jesus or even these, uh, you know, testimonies that were given, those testimonies didn't say that they had actually seen Jesus in the physical then these guys really didn't believe that much. These disciples, they didn't really have the faith. And I believe that Jesus wanted to know from them what he wants to know from you and I today, and that is, can we believe without seeing with our own eyes? You gotta ask yourself that. Man, can you believe even though you weren't there for that personal observation? Be reminded what the author of Hebrews says about faith. He says, faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. We can believe. We can believe because we have faith. The third thing that I want us to know today is his presence teaches the ultimate lesson. Man, we understand that Jesus is a lot of things. And one of the things that we understand the scripture says, man, he's He's the great teacher. His presence teaches the ultimate lesson. Look at verses 25 through 27. 
And he said to them, O foolish ones, O slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Man, was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses, all of the prophets, he interpreted to them in all of the scriptures the things concerning himself. Man, right out of the gate, Jesus gives them a heart attack. He doesn't scare them, but he attacks their heart. Jesus lets them know that the problem with their belief was more of a heart issue, not a head issue. Church family, I think a lot of times, man, we often think that the main obstacles to our belief or somebody's belief is all centered around the head, what they know, their knowledge about them. And these guys, they knew about Jesus, but they didn't understand. They didn't have a relationship with him up to this point. Listen to this. They knew a lot about him. They had the head knowledge, but he was actually asking about their hearts. As we keep on going, he asked the question, Jesus asked the question, was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? These two disciples, they should have known these things. These are not things that should have been on their doubt list. You know, being raised up the way that they were raised, man, their rabbis would have taught them exactly what the prophet said. In fact, they would have known the Torah in and out. They would have known these things, but Jesus, man, basically he says, the Messiah would have to suffer first and be received in glory. He reminds them of something that he should already know. And then it says, uh, the text keeps on going, it says, in beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Man, at this point, I don't think he was getting upset, but he was probably like, hey, guys, hold up. Hold my coke and listen to what I'm about to say, all right? And, man, he goes into a spectacular breakdown one of the greatest Bible studies probably ever taught, beginning with Moses all the way to the prophets, all the way up into, man, the resurrection that had just taken place. Man, he told them all about who the Messiah really is. Guys, this is mind-blowing. See, he's the Savior. He was the Word made flesh. He knows the Word of God perfectly because he's all-knowing, but also because of his intimate union with the Holy Spirit, who is the primary author of the text. And then, expositionally, he preaches and he lays out a broad outline of all the scriptures that refer to him. Men from the first books of the Old Testament all the way up to his resurrection. Guys, Jesus hit him with the That's My King sermon before S.M. Lockridge ever wrote it. If y'all don't know that, go look it up. Be inspired by his message. Man, Jesus took him on a journey to Easter before anyone on staff sat around a big table in the conference room and said, man, let's take our church family on a journey to Easter. Man, he did that. He let them know who the Messiah was. And he starts breaking it down. And he tells these two followers, he says, hey, guys, the Messiah was the seed of the woman whose heel was bruised. The Messiah was the blessing of Abraham to all the nations. Man, the Messiah was the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. The Messiah was the man who wrestled with Jacob. The Messiah was the lion of the tribe of Judah. The Messiah was the voice of the burning bush. 
mean, he was the Passover lamb, the prophet greater than Moses. He was the captain of the Lord's army for Joshua. He was the ultimate kinsman redeemer mentioned in the book of Ruth. Man, he was the son of David who was a king greater than David. He was the suffering savior that's mentioned in Psalm 22. And he's the good shepherd referenced in Psalm 23. He lets them know that the Messiah was the wisdom of Proverbs and the lover of the Song of Solomon. Man, he's the, man, the Messiah is the savior described in the prophets and the suffering servant described in Isaiah 53. The Messiah is the princely Messiah of Daniel who would establish a kingdom that would never end. And he lets them know this life-changing lesson. Guys, his presence teaches the ultimate lesson. And then the fourth thing is this right here. His presence is revealed in the breaking of the bread. I love this part of the story. Starting in verse 28, it says, So they knew... They drew near to the village to which they were going. They had almost gotten there, right? And Christ acted as if he was even going to go further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. In verse 32, it says, They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn from within when he talked to us on the road while he opened the scriptures to us? Guys, he was acting like he was going to go a little bit further. And these guys said, No, nah, man, we love talking to you. We love hearing from you. Please, don't go any further. Man, the sun is about to set. The day's about to end. Come to our house. Man, let us serve you. Man, they pulled him in. I love this because they don't even know that this is Jesus at this point, right? We remember back in verse 16 that their eyes had been restrained from knowing who this was. But even though they didn't know who it was, they knew they needed to spend as much time with this man as they possibly could. They invite him into the house. He accepts. And in verse 30, it says, when he was at the table, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. Guys, these men were disciples, but they weren't the 12. These guys were not privy to the Last Supper. Man, these two disciples, they didn't understand the sacramental nature of the breaking of the bread in theological terms. This was just a simple supper in a village home of two tired travelers and a guest that they had invited in. But yet it was at this moment in the breaking of the bread that they knew that their companion, that they knew that their guest was the Lord Jesus Christ. It was at this moment that their eyes were open, no longer restrained. They could actually see. And Christ was known to them in the breaking of the bread, is what the text says. There's several different ways, man, people think, okay, how did this happen? Some people think it might have been the way that Jesus took the place of the host. He was the guest. They said, come into our house. Let us serve you. But then he becomes the host and he serves them. Some people say it's the way that he gave the blessing over the meal that they were about to eat. Man, a prayer by Christ blessing this food. Man, maybe that sparked it. 
Man, some of them say it was the pierced hands that actually took the bread, broke it, and handed it to them. And when they saw those piercings, they understood that it was Christ. But no matter what it was, however it happened, whether it was by word, by hand, by the physical, they suddenly understood that this was Jesus Christ. And immediately he vanished from their sight. As soon as their eyes were open to who it was, he left in a miraculous way. So that way they could talk about what was on their hearts. Remember, how did this story start? These two guys on the way to Emmaus, man, they were talking about what was on their hearts. When Jesus then reveals who he is, it changes their lives. He's gone so that way they could talk about what was on their hearts. And listen to what they say. That's exactly what they do. It says, did our hearts burn within us? Man, did they not burn while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures up to us? Church family, God's word is able to have that same effect on our heart that it had when Jesus used it to impact the lives of these people. Man, even though they didn't know it was Jesus, even though they didn't believe at the time that he was risen, even though they didn't understand, man, how much of an impact this truly was, man, their hearts still burned because of the ministry of God's word and because Jesus is the living word of God. Their hearts burn. And when's the last time that our hearts burn? Church family, when's the last time that you try to share the gospel message with somebody? It's not about what you say. Understand that even if they are at the point that they still don't believe, God's word is powerful enough to set their hearts on fire. And then the last thing is this right here. I mean, his presence makes us want to tell everyone the good news. Man, in the last part of this passage, verses 33 through 35, man, we're reminded that his presence makes us want to tell everybody all about it. In verse 33, it reads like this, and they rose that same hour and they returned to Jerusalem. And they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. They told what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Guys, look at verse 33 one more time. It says, they rose that same hour and they returned to Jerusalem. Remember, they had been on this walk for a while, maybe seven miles long. Man, they were tired. The day was about to end. They invite Christ into their home. Man, him breaking of the bread changes their lives. And in that same hour, they took off and they headed back down the road that they had just traveled on, probably a whole lot faster than the way they came up there. Man, it didn't matter that it was late. It didn't matter that it was dark. Man, their lives had been changed and they could not wait to tell others the good news that they had seen Jesus Christ. Church family, man, I pray that we would have that same type of heartburn that these guys had. 
Man, I pray that our hearts would be on fire, that we can't wait. We don't, we don't wait till the summer. We don't wait till for the city. We don't wait till times are perfect. But man, we use every single opportunity that we have to share the gospel message with whoever comes across our path. And I pray that we would do that. That's my prayer for our church, that he would light a fire that can only be explained by what his word and what his spirit has done in our hearts. So with this time, this is a really unique opportunity because we talk about how his presence is known to us. And one of the ways that it's made known to us is by partaking in communion. Man, by, by taking of the elements, his body, his blood. And so at this time, if you would, go ahead and bow your heads. I want to ask us to pray as we thank God for the presence of Christ and we prepare to take community, I mean, take communion as a community of believers. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this time that you've given us to reflect on the sacrifice of your son. Like Ken said earlier, man, we don't just reflect on the sacrifice, but we also reflect on the fact that he is risen. He ascended and we look forward to the day that he is coming back. God, thank you for this element of the bread and of the blood. Thank you for the sacraments. God, thank you for that we're able to come together and take communion. God, I pray that in all of our trials and tribulations, all these now what moments, all of our losses, all of our lessons, all of our hills, all of our valleys, God, I pray that we would understand that you are still there. And you never left us. And your arms are wide open, ready to, 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 to bring us in with that bear hug and redeem us. And God, I pray for the ones that are in this room. God, maybe their heart is not where it needs to be. And so God, man, even though they're a believer in Christ, even though you've changed their life, man, they're going to set this one out. And we understand that and we respect that. God, I pray that you will work on their heart. God, I pray for the people that are in this room that they don't know you as their Lord and Savior. Man, they're not going to partake in the elements because, man, they have not accepted you into their life yet. God, we pray for them. God, we pray that you would change their lives. God, we pray that you would give them the vision that they need to see you. God, that they would follow through on what your spirit is saying. God, we ask all of this in your son's name. Amen. Hey, at this time... Man, we have this really unique cup, and it's unique because it has two lids on it. Be careful. If you open the second lid, you are going to launch your piece of bread into the hair of the person right in front of you. Don't do that. So try your best to only peel off the very first lid. And at this time, man, we'll take the bread first, and then we'll drink of the cup. And I want to read to us. From Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. And it says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And after blessing it, he gave it to his disciples. And he said, Take, eat, this is my body.
All right, then there's the second lid. Be careful with that one. And then staying in the same passage in Matthew chapter 26, but in the next following verse, 27 through 29, it says this. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the righteousness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day that when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Church family, at this time, we're going to enter into a time of invitation and reflection. And as we enter into that time, man, I don't want us to forget about the two disciples that were on their way to Emmaus. See, they had hoped that Jesus was the promised Messiah, but they started doubting it. And they just assumed that Jesus lay lifeless somewhere. They didn't know what was going on. But suddenly their stone-cold hope transitioned into the best case of heartburn that's ever been recorded because Jesus revealed himself to them, set their hearts on fire, and gave them the Bible study that we all wish we could have been a part of. And so, church family, I want you to bow your head, and as we bow, man, I want to try to challenge you to think about the love, the care, and the engagement, and the personal hope that Jesus gave these two men. These two men, a lot like us, and just everyday people with names and stories. And Jesus continues to reveal himself, even to us today, by the word of the Spirit. Man, he reveals himself to each of his disciples. In fact, our position, church family, in the history of redemption is even more to be desired than what Cleopas and his friend enjoyed that day because we have the completion of God's revelation. Man, we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Man, we have both of those that attest to the glory, the grace, and the presence of Jesus Christ and the gloriousness of the salvation that we have through him. Man, that's how known we are. That's how loved we are. Church family, that's how pursued you are by Jesus. And so during this time, man, I want you to take a few moments to marinate in the love that our Father has lavished on you in Jesus. And that's not a selfish act. That's an act of wonder, an act of love. That's an act of worship and praise. Because we need to be reminded that Jesus lived a life of perfect obedience and as our substitute, he died in our place upon the cross, exhausting God's judgment against our sin. But then he was raised from the dead for our justification. And God loves us just as much as he loves Jesus. God can't love you anymore and he'll never love you any less. And God doesn't love you to the degree that we are like Christ he loves us to the degree that we are in Christ, and that's 100. And God has hidden your life safely and completely in Jesus Christ. And I believe that the Father who has began a good work in you 
will most definitely complete that work. And all of this, man, it doesn't make you special, but it makes you his. And that's even better. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray for the people that are in this room. God, I pray that if there's anybody over the course of today that they found themselves needing prayer, God, that they would understand that that's not last night's Tex-Mex talking to them. God, that's your Holy Spirit working in their life. God, I pray that they would understand that we have people who are willing and ready to pray with them, that they just need somebody to talk to because the burdens on their shoulders are weighing them down. The baggage that they've been carrying is about to throw their shoulder out of socket. God, we have people here that are willing and ready to pray with them. God, if they know about Jesus, but they don't know him personally, they don't have a relationship with him, there are people here ready to pray with them ready to have a gospel-centered conversation with them. God, if they've been checking things out, if they've been jumping from church to church, but they're like, hey, man, you're doing a work in my life when I'm here. God, I want to know more about church membership. God, let them know. There's people here ready and willing to have that conversation with them about what it looks like to be a member at Ridgecrest. God, I pray that in these next moments as we continue our worship and song, God, you would allow us that if we need to go to somebody and seek counsel, if we need to go to somebody and seek prayer, God, you would allow us to, to have the boldness to be able to do that. In your name we pray, amen.